0: Good morning, and welcome to another episode of That Which Does Not Kill Us. I am your host, Sarah Arnold. And today, I want to talk a little bit about um, family structure, and how um, my role within my own family has impacted um, some of the relationships that I have had in my life. And uh, so I'm going to give you a little bit of my backstory, okay? So... I'm the youngest of four kids. My dad was in the military. Um, my mom seems to work off and on, um, throughout my childhood. Um, <clears throat> let's see. I, my parents split up, I think when I was like 11, 12, um, a couple years before that, I got a really bad concussion. And so, um, yeah, there's, a. Uh, a lot of interesting stuff within that and uh what I would say is so let me backtrack and say so my oldest brother um was out of the house by the time my parents split up okay and um like the only um established and like cohesive and concrete memories I really have from growing up are primarily after my concussion and a lot of that is basically just like absentee parents for like a better way of putting it you know what I mean like I have more established memories with my siblings than I do with my mom and dad um, from that time of my life so it's uh, it's definitely played a role I think in how I've developed as a person But then, like, at the same time, um, the dynamics within the entire family have as well. And I say that because of, uh, obviously since now I'm closer to my family, I've got a lot of, like, there's things that are coming back. Like, I wouldn't say that it's so much memories, but more, like, emotions and then, like, observations that I'm making where I'm like, oh, duh. Um, that, um, uh, the more I engage with my family, the more I'm, uh. You know, like, having these awarenesses of, like... It's funny, because it's almost like everything is coming full circle. So, like, I'll give you an example of that, right? Um, Everybody's older than me. So, uh, my sister and I shared a room growing up. And uh, my brothers each had their own room, as far as I can recall. So, if they ever shared a room, that's news to me. And um, when I was a kid, like... To me, like, my oldest brother was, like, the coolest fucking person on the planet. Like, I'm not even kidding you. Like, like he was just, like, cool as fuck. And so, <clears throat> you know, like, he's, like, fucking six years older than me. And I'm sure at certain points, like, there's, noth- there's not that much excitement attached to, um, like, <laughs> hanging out with your kid sister. But, um, for whatever reason, like, um for the most part when we were younger I don't remember ever really having any major um, feelings of rejection from my oldest sibling whereas um, my sister was pretty inconsistent I would say in terms of like our interactions growing up like and I say that because like so here's what I distinctly remember right um she would kind of go back and forth between being like nice and usually when she was nice like she wanted to like use me as, like, her fucking, like, uh, like, her test dummy for whatever hairstyling or makeup she was trying to fumble fuck her way through and learning, like, techniques and shit, right? So, I was basically, like, her walking, talking guinea pig, because I didn't give a fuck. And, uh, so, like, when she wanted to utilize me as that, in that capacity, like, You know what I mean? Then she would kind of pay attention to me. And, uh, like, there were some time frames where we actually had the same friends and we would hang out together. But that seemed like that was, for the most part, pretty short-lived. Outside of that, then uh, she would kind of go back and forth between being, like, indifferent or, like, one of the underlying themes that she would say to me a lot was that I made her sick so um yeah like it definitely imprinted into my psyche is what I would say um, like if, if I had to gander a guess I would say that I probably have more unhealed wounds pertaining to that aspect of my childhood um when it comes to like my sibling relationships but um I think the fact that, like, I have the understanding with my siblings that they grew up essentially in the same dysfunctional environment that I did. And I think because of that, I have more empathy and more forgiveness um, without any additional effort or thought, you know? You know, the more I see the, you know I mean, the dysfunctionality in both my mom and my dad, the more I have empathy for my siblings and the fact that they're doing the same things that I am for the most part in terms of uh, like learning their own path, like finding out like their unhealthy behaviors and, you know, being better people and all that shit and like coping with it. And I think we have different methods to it because I'm the only one that doesn't have children. And so, it seems like, I feel like for them, the way that they have applied the knowledge, you know, in terms of, like, the betterment, it seems like it's mostly pertaining to the relationships they have with their children. And, like... For the most part, I would say that's pretty evident based on, you know, the character of that. But some of us, you know, we all have our struggles from day to day, so it's very common. And now, the other observation that I've made, right, is that uh, the relationship that I have with my other brother is... Like I would get, what I would say is it seemed like for the most part he was indifferent to me growing up unless he was bored and like there was nobody else to interact with and this is a pattern that I've noticed has been established for a very long time frame and to some effect or another it's actually evolved into adulthood and the way that it's evolved into adulthood for the most part now is either the interaction will stem from uh, him finding a way to fuck with me, like funny. Think it's funny stuff. It's really funny stuff. Uh, or reaching out specifically when he needs something or when something is going wrong. And I say when he needs something because, uh, it seems to me that, like, I'm not gonna say I feel like the family therapist, but kind of, like, it it seems like when he's got something going on and he needs to talk to somebody, that I will listen and or give, you know, advice or feedback, whatever, if it seems like that is what is needed or desired. And one of our more recent conversations, I made a point to tell him that I would like to hear from him when he has something good going on as well. Because, like... I didn't explain it to him, but he's pretty fucking smart, so I think he would have picked up on the inference that, you know, the previous communication method is to say that you only matter to me when you're convenient to me or when I need something from you. And the underlying message there is that you're only worth what you can provide. And, like, what I'm realizing now, as I get older, is where these mindsets are coming from. And the answer to the question is, they're within, you know, the established structure of the family dynamic. So. Yeah, that's, that's where I'm at in terms of bettering the relationships I have with others. Because I'm noticing that this is an, this is like an ongoing theme that has been occurring in a variety of different types of relationships that I have developed throughout my life. But then at the same time, the other thing that I'm observing as I'm going through these things is that one of the reasons these things develop like this is because I allow it to. And that would be what I would say is the biggest takeaway right now is to be mindful of what I'm allowing. Because either I can allow healthy reciprocal communication and relationships to develop in my life, or I can allow unhealthy one-sided relationships to develop in my life. And how that plays out is entirely up to me because I have to communicate my needs and then I have to enforce those boundaries once they are established. So yeah, this is, this is where my learning curve is at right now is learning to be better in these ways. And so when I say the thing about the therapist though so I'm going to circle back to a thought that I talked about just a bit ago so my mom called me yesterday and it sounded like she wanted to talk which I'll be forward with you and say I can't remember the last time my mom called me you know just out of the blue for seemingly no reason it's very few and far between right but i had a conversation with her she was kind of broken up because she had uh, put down one of her animals not long before my move okay and she was really broken up about it when she got back home because apparently this asshole cat not exactly not exactly my words it's i'm not quoting her verbatim but close enough but this asshole cat would be a real dickhead when she got home from traveling, right? And so I think her realization, once she got home, is that uh, this dickhead cat was uh, absent. And so this thing that she was used to having in her life at this specific you know, moment was gone. And so it, it kind of, you know, had her in a bit of a state of mourning, right? And she was kind of, you know, feeling down about it, which I think that happens to all of us when we're experiencing some kind of loss is the thing that reminds us of it the most, the, you know what I mean? Those are the moments that really, you know, get into our soul, so to speak. And it fascinated me in hindsight thinking about it like that you know she specifically like reached out to me and like in the context of the conversation she said she, you know she figured i would understand or like my sister would understand you know cuz she was kind of feeling down about it and i just like listened to her talk and the dialogue ended up going from that you know thing into like other fields of mental health right and in the context of the conversation you know, she was talking about, like, wanting to feel better in, you know, other stuff, and, you know, she's not calling so I can feel bad for her, or whatever, and, like, when it came to the feeling better, like, what I, she said, she would said something about having gone to, I don't remember, I don't think she said a therapist, I think she said a psychologist, or whatever, anyhow. Like, she would said something or other about whatever kind of fucking head doctor she, she had talked to briefly, and and then she said something about needing to see a psychiatrist, and then I let her know that the only difference between a psychologist and a psychiatrist is the be the ability to give you pills, so I don't think that's correct, because she, like, my mother is, like, she tried medication for a little while, and I have to commend her for fucking giving it a try, I don't know if she tried it for very long, but whatever, either way, like, just putting in that effort, like, to try something different, like, to me is just like, never thought I'd see the fucking day, Okay. Like, seriously. So it's, you know, it didn't pan out. But the fact that she tried, to me, is still like, wow, look at you. This is, it's a very small snippet of personal growth. You know what I mean? It's not much. Rome wasn't built in a day. So, anyhow. So I'm talking to her about this. And what I expressed to her, because, like, what I expressed to her was that um, I think what she would probably do best to do is find a trauma-informed or a trauma-specialized therapist because in my observation you know just from what i do know about my mother like i feel like at the end of the day like she's experienced a lot of fucked up shit in her life really she has but at the end of the day she's not uh processed and felt any of it and then let it go you know what I mean? Like, all of all of the things that she has experienced, like, they're still basically being housed within her body and within her mind. And I think because of the quantity and quality of fuckery afoot there, like, it is really very negatively impactful. And so what I was telling her was that I think, like, finding somebody that's a trauma specialized therapist would be really helpful. And then I was kind of talking to her a little bit about <clears throat> like, the different types of therapy that there are out there, uh, like, there's... Because I, I know she doesn't want to get on the fucking drugs. I Like, I know she doesn't want to be on the fucking pills, so I'm not even going to try talking, like, medicate yourself, you know, whatever. Um, but, like, like, I was telling her about, like, eight... I don't remember the abbreviation, like, what the abbreviations are either. But, like, there's the ACT therapy, there's CBT therapy, and then there's DBT therapy, and then... You can also find some that specialize in what's called EMDR therapy and how that basically is supposed to help release the trauma from the body. You know what I mean? So it basically pushes it. I can't remember the brain systems, but it basically pushes whatever is trapped in, you know, in one system in your brain into the other one. So, you know what I mean? It it finalizes the processing of it, so to speak, for lack of a better term. And so you're not just like stuck in it. And I think something like that would be very beneficial Like, if she really, like, if she means this, like, then something like this would be very beneficial, you know, as a ways of self-improvement. And so, yeah, this was a conversation I was having with my mother. And, like, I think I probably made some kind of commentary about following a lot of different mental health accounts on, like, TikTok and things like that. And that basically, you know, like, during my sessions of therapy what I learned is how frequently I invalidate myself and like in the context of the conversation we learned um that at least to some degree or another this is a learned behavior that I picked up from my mother like like I was familiar very familiar with using self-deprecating humor but I didn't know how frequently I I was invalidating myself in regular, everyday conversation until my therapist pointed it out to me. And so that was one of my biggest takeaways. The other one, which I still don't know how to work on per se, is that I tend to intellectualize my feelings rather than allowing myself to feel them. And so, rather than feeling what I'm feeling, I immediately take whatever that, whatever the basis of the feeling is and go into problem-solving mode and, you know, analyzing and all that stuff. And, like, that one, I really, really, really don't know how to not do that. I really, I have no fucking idea how to not do that. And so, I think the intellectualization of feelings... In the ability to listen to other people and provide constructive, honest, and authentic feedback is what makes me think, like, maybe I miss my calling as, like, a therapist or something. You know, like, maybe this is an area where I'm supposed to be going into. Because at the end of the day, like, I find myself helping people a lot um, in various uh, methodologies and ways, depending on whatever that person's role is in my life. And I think it's important, you know, to give people that support at times in which it seems like they need it. And I'm sure that probably stems from, you know, feeling some kind of way about not receiving that myself. But, you know... That's okay. I'm I'm learning to provide like I'm learning to provide that for myself. And at the end of the day, that's what I've realized as well. And this has been a consistent theme for a very long time is that I'm always there for me. Always. But the flip side of that too, and this is what I'm learning from the other people in my life is that nobody's a fucking mind reader, right? So if you don't say you need help, nobody's going to fucking help you. Because nobody's a fucking mind reader, right? You know? And, like, this is... Like, I'm on a level with you. Like, because one of the ways that I... One of the things that I'm working on is being able to ask for help when I need it. And accept it when it's offered, right? And so, I have to say, from my own standpoint and my own um, skewed lens of perception, I find it very admirable... When somebody can ask for help, like, and reach out for help when they need it. Like, that's a very admirable quality because I don't understand it. And so, like, I think that's another thing that kind of, like, makes me feel, I'm not going to say obligated, but for lack of a better term. It kind of makes me feel obligated to help people when I see that they need it and or specifically when they reach out to me for help. And it seems like nine times out of ten, it is in some psychological or therapeutic capacity. And so, yeah, I feel like maybe, maybe this is what I'm meant to do, you know, is to provide, I don't know, guidance, experience, an ear to listen to, like, whatever. Like, I think that's one of the reasons, like, I started writing my book, because I'm still in the process of that. It's slowed down considerably, but, um, Like, I'm still in the process of writing that. And I think that's why I started writing it. First of all, I needed to process all this shit myself, number one. And then number two, I think there is something that comes from... Especially when you're going through, like, fucking hard times, right? Like, there's really something comforting that comes from knowing you're not alone. You know, that either you know somebody or you know somebody who knows somebody. Like, just knowing that somebody understands and, like, really understands what you're going through, and being able to get some caliber of support from somebody that's gone through what you've gone through, or some, like, a sense of community, almost. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes having a sense of community and hardship can really help you pull yourself out of whatever black hole your mind starts to wander into. Because let's be real, like, when those things happen, you know, when you experience some sort of loss, be it, you know, a loved one, a marriage, a job, whatever, when you're experiencing those things, it's very easy to get sucked into, you know, like, an oblivion, you know, to fall into the abyss, you know, only to return who knows how long after the fact. And so... That sense of community, that sense of consistency, and that sense of support, you know, and having that support network really goes a long way to help shorten that period in that process. And I feel like to some degree or another that that's what I'm supposed to do is help people in some way whatever fucking way shape or form through the shit and get to like help people get to the other side of it I guess for lack of a better way of putting that because it's hard you know like it's really fucking hard I've had a lot of those types of moments in the last couple of years where it seems like like there's ups and downs and then there like, and then there's downs and downs and like the highs are high, but the lows are low and usually the lows outlast the highs, but like a lot of that I'm sure stems from, you know, finally processing all of the shit that I had been dealing with leading up until that point. And so like, I guess what I'm trying to say is if you're listening to this for wisdom, um, let yourself feel what you're feeling because you can process it faster you know what I mean if you actually allow yourself to have those feelings rather than like compartmentalizing them or whatever so that's pretty much all I've got for today so everybody have a great day and be well